You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. Welcome into the sports objective is normally we are talking ECU sports and a lot of uh, great things happening for ECU. So we'll save that for another night as we're talking about a very important issue to me. As those of you know, I am from Williamston and Martin County. And on August 3rd at 10 a.m., the hospital just shut down, doors closed, everything. And we have a lot of people. Well, my goodness, there's a lot of people watching tonight. And that's the way it's going to be. A lot of angry folks. Uh, we're going to bring in a dear friend of mine. He's put up with me uh, for over five years now, Dr. John Bream. Doc, great to see you, and uh, give everybody your background, and then we can uh, start diving in and dissecting everything. And uh, by the way, before you do that, I want to make sure everybody knows, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook Live, uh, then you can obviously put your comments in the chat, and if it's questions or comments, uh, John and I will talk about that. Doc, go ahead and give your background, So we'll, and then we'll dive in. All right. Thanks, Dave. Good to be on the show again. And maybe we'll sprinkle in some pirate football talk tonight that's, as well. That's fine. That's fine with me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm John Bream. I am an emergency medicine physician. Um, I trained at, I went to undergrad at East Carolina Medical School at East Carolina and did my residency at Vita Medical Center. And I have worked in Eastern North Carolina in multiple emergency departments uh, since I, well, really since my third year of residency starting in 2011. So I have a you know front row seat to a lot of the things that have been going on, um, especially the uh, what's been going on Martin General, and then just in general about the challenges in healthcare, especially emergency medicine and rural healthcare, the challenges that have been faced um, with multiple hospital closures and things like that over the past few years, which unfortunately have impacted Eastern North Carolina more than most areas. No doubt. Again, make sure you can send your comments. And questions regarding the closing of the hospital, uh, that being Martin General, for those who are watching around the, literally around the world, there's thousands of people watching, I'm sure. And uh, John, uh, Dr. Bream, we appreciate you so much for coming on tonight. Uh, a very sad situation. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of misinformation going around. Uh, one of the things I want to clear up, too, before we get diving into the medical aspect is, uh, and let me be very clear, this is not the county. But Quorum Health is telling uh, Martin General employees uh, something that's not true, and that is if they apply for another job, they lose their severance. And I found out that is not true. So I want to let all the employees know if you want to apply for another job, you will not lose your severance. It's when you take the job, that's when you lose your severance. So just make sure you don't take the job until like October the 8th or 9th after the severance is done. Um, seriously, John, I was just like, uh, I heard that on Saturday and I knew that was one of the things before we get in the medical part of things and the challenges, I want to let everybody know we have a lot of Martin general employees that are watching tonight and they were very scared, um, to even come to our, to the restaurant where my good friends, uh, Mark and uh, Betsy holiday, um, have uh, Porky's in Williamston and we've done two great events and they were scared uh, about that. So make sure I want to let everybody know once again, you can apply for a job. That's perfectly fine. There's job fairs coming up, several of them. 
Uh, we can talk about that later on the show. Um, but make sure that you just don't take the job, accept the offer until after your severance is done. And uh, John, uh, Dr. Bream, tell us uh, about your thoughts on this because uh, you 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 work at a lot of different EDs around Eastern North Carolina. So you know from small to large to big, uh, you know all about uh, the effects of the ED and obviously the effects of COVID and now the effects of a, a hospital closing. Right. And so, you know, all these effects sort of, you know, roll downhill. So I was somewhat surprised by this. Um, I know that, you know, Martin General has been cutting services. Now, full disclosure, I've, Martin General is one of the few emergency departments in North Carolina I've not worked in. So um, I don't have a front row seat to the inner happenings of Martin General. Um, but so just want to get out of the way. But yeah, so rural healthcare is a challenge. Um, and we've seen that uniquely, um, you know, Washington County Hospital has been open and closed. Right. Um, you know, Martin General has lost services um, throughout the last couple of years. I think their ICU closed not terribly last long year. ago. And then last they, August. And then labor and delivery services were closed. So anytime you see service lines disappearing, that's generally not a sign that things are going very well. Um, it's generally a sign of financial distress for any hospital. And that's not you know unique to, to Martin General, obviously. Sounds like when you're cutting service lines, you're trying to make budgets meet and trying to you know keep at least keep the doors open. Um, but you know, there's a lot that's going on that has impacted you know, rural medicine. So, you know, generally in eastern North Carolina, um, you know, the payer mixes are a little um, more difficult to deal with. Um, I've you know I've been emergency department medical director you know for six years um, in you know the central part of the state, I'm not acting in that role currently. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of you know, budgetary pressures. Healthcare is big business. And so um, just that one emergency department I worked in was a you know, $50 million asset. Um, and so there's just a lot of you know, budget pressures you've got to stay within. I, from my understanding, and I don't know if this is true or not, it sounds like, you know, Martin General had lost, I think, $13 million last year is what somebody had told me. And it sounds like the financial losses were just unsustainable. And so... You know, healthcare, as I you know, tell my students, I teach them, we think a lot about, you know, taking care of people and taking great care of people and, you know, thinking about patient care. But at the end of the day, healthcare is a big business and you've got to, you know, be able to keep your lights on. So I do know there are, you know, obviously lots of financial pressures there. Um, and real, there have been cuts in reimbursement. Um, the payer mix in Eastern North Carolina is not the best. Uh, you have higher rates of Medicare and Medicaid, right. um, which... Um, and higher rates of uninsured. So um, the way it works, and I can speak, I can speak to my business, um, you know, my clinics that I have opened is when you get, you know, Medicare and Medicaid, you know, they pay at a much lower rate. And then your contracts with your commercial payers will pay like a certain percentage of the Medicare rate. So um, for example, my Blue Cross contract pays 128% of the Medicare rate. So Let's say, you know, I provide a service for easy money, you know, for easy rounding of money. That was $100 um, in my clinic for a Medicare patient. Then if I saw the exact same patient, the exact same everything that had Blue Cross, I would get $128. Um, so that's sort of how the business aspect of it works. And so 
that's why if you get into insurance mixes that are less commercial insurance and more Medicare, Medicaid, it, it's, it just becomes harder to keep the doors open. And that's just financial reality. I don't, I'm not commenting whether or not that's good or bad or right or wrong or fair because none of it is. But right. I'm saying at the end of the day, you know, that's the hand that you have to play. Um, but, you know, obviously the eastern part of the state is more uniquely challenged by this. I don't know if Martin General was a critical access hospital or not. Um, like I said, that's a hospital I've not worked in, so I'm not as intimately familiar with the inner workings of it. Um, but when you're a critical access hospital, then you get an extra 25%. So if Medicaid would pay $100 for a service, it would pay $125 for the exact same service right. at a critical access hospital. So there are things that are done to make the finances of the rural hospitals a little better, um, but it's still even that a tough road to hoe. No doubt. And I tell you what, uh, John, one of the concerns that I have, and this is what I need to ask you, because uh, full disclosure, as you know, I work at ECU Health uh, Medical Center in Greenville, so I'm not speaking for them tonight, as that's not my job. Um, I'm in the non-clinical side, but uh, one of the things that really concerns me about healthcare is you have legitimate companies, right? So you have legitimate, reputable companies who really are truly healthcare systems. And then, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, uh, Quorum Health that was with uh, Martin General is nothing more than a a capital venture disguised as a healthcare system. So, for example, can uh, Bubba, can you help me with um, uh, Billy Warren, BJ? She's a 29-year veteran uh, nurse. Um, let me put that up there for you. Um, she says, I'm a 29-year uh, veteran nurse who has spent her whole career at Martin General Hospital. This has impacted me so much. We lost services because Quorum strategically wanted a loss in order to go bankrupt. And that's something that I will say right now. Um, and John, you don't have to comment on this, but when I read comments like that, as somebody that she's a veteran, she knows what she's talking about. I really truly believe, I know in fact, um, the governor is coming tomorrow. Uh, Johnny Robertson, our dear friend, uh, put that up tomorrow at two o'clock. But if I had a chance to talk to the governor, I would I would strongly advise him to uh, bring in Josh Stein, the attorney general. And I also, when looking at the books, I think Beth Wood, as far as auditor, needs to come in because the numbers are just not adding up, uh, not adding up to me. And when you're doing things like that, I'm not blaming the county. I think that there's some, uh, I don't know. I just don't like the idea of this kind of stuff happening. You don't have to comment on that, John, because I know that you're not privy to that. But I just wanted to put it out there. If I had my way, um, I want to see everything that's been going on because I don't think it's right. Um, and I'll take up for these employees that at 10 a.m. on August the 3rd, they, some of these people are showing up and their, their badge wouldn't work. They see signs up there. And I just think that that is really unprofessional. I think it's reckless. And um, there's a lot of stuff there that... They file for bankruptcy, and you know now we have people dying on the way to the hospital. Literally, I know that for a fact. So um, we've got to do anything we can to open the doors back up. And I hope the governor will come tomorrow and really uh, challenge our leaders to get that hospital back open as soon as possible. Yeah, I really can't won't comment on on the the bank. You know, was this intentional bankruptcy or not? Right. Uh, and comment on is the strain that it 
you know, not having Martin General open puts on the rest of the healthcare system in the East. Um, obviously, in Eastern North Carolina, access to healthcare is already a major issue. Um, you know, there's only a few, you know, hospitals, you know, Mahoski, you know, Rona, Chowan, Martin, Bertie, Chowan, you know, Washington County. Then you got, you know, Vidant, Vidant, Beaufort, Edgecombe. And then, you know, that's, you know, then you get out to like Outer Banks and Carteret and Lenore, you know, there's just, you know, especially in, in Northeastern North Carolina, you know, access to care is just, a, especially, you know, I mean, hospital care and primary care is, is a major issue. And, you know, these hospitals are fairly small community hospitals. Right. Um, so, you know, all the patients that Martin was seeing, even if it weren't, let's say it was, you know, only 50 a day or so, which I think is about maybe what their volume was, maybe a little, you know, something like that, you know, those patients are all going to go somewhere. And so, you know, you'll probably, some are probably getting siphoned off to Beaufort if you live in Southern Martin, uh, Martin County, Correct. Um, you know, but the vast majority of them are getting siphoned off to Bertie, you know, which is, you know, I'll speak in generalities here that, you know, the, among, if not the smallest hospital in North Carolina. Um, and so it would have been nice. I think I, what I can, you know, diplomatically say is it would be nice, would have been nice to get somewhat of a heads up because you can't, you know, it puts the other hospitals, you know, per, that would ECU help through having to accommodate this volume. It puts them in a really bad position. Because I think the temptation would be to say, well, you know, why can't just they just hire more doctors at, I don't know, pick pick Dart, you know, Roanoke, Chowan, Bertie, or Washington to, to care for these people. And so, you know, you can't, it takes, you know, four to six months to get a physician on board. So, and then, you know, the finances have got to be correct. Right. So, you know, if they want to say, well, golly, Bertie's had this huge increase in volume. Why doesn't Bertie just hire another physician? or hire more doctors, or, you know, you have to get credentialed and all stuff. And that takes a few months. So I will say, I mean, I think ECU health has done a very good job adapting to a very difficult scenario. Um, when you're talking about some of these emergency departments that their volumes have you know, increased, you know, 50 to hundred percent in a matter of days. And there's just, there's really no great way you can accommodate for that. And I think the staffs of those facilities have done a great job of working on the fly to come up with plans to try to accommodate this as much as possible. Um, but obviously, you know, no plan is going to be perfect. And, you know, th these then have downstream effects where if you're, for example, going to Bertie and you know, Bertie has six inpatient beds, which is your public reportable data which, you know, that's, you know, not very many beds, then you're, you're going to end up going from Williamston to Bertie and end up possibly transferred to Roanoke, Chowan or Beaufort or, you know, Eaton. Eaton, you know, Chowan. And so these, everything just keeps flowing, you know, down the hill. So the hospital close, you know, doesn't, you just, everything keeps flowing. You get more ER visits at one facility, which leads to more admissions at another facility, which then means that that position, that, that, hospital doesn't have as many resources for the patients in its town and access to care is already you know, a major issue in eastern north carolina so these issues just continue to compound on each other and obviously the 
you know, the, the best solution would be, to, as you've noted, to try to find a way to get Martin back open yep. and being patients or, you know, at least the emergency department open so they can, you know, like as a freestanding emergency department or something to, you know, to, to help out with this because, you know, it is quite, um, you know, from Williamston to Windsor is about 20 minutes, you know, from Williamston yep. to Washington is probably about 25 minutes, you know, yep. A husky is 25, 30 minutes to Tarboro. It's about 35, 40 minutes. And that's, you know, the closest places to you. Um, and, you know, these hospitals in and of themselves are smaller community hospitals. Um, so a lot of challenges. I do think um, ECU Health and, and the director and the nurse management and leadership teams of those um, hospitals have done a great job in trying to accommodate um, for the increase in volumes and you know, my hats off to them for working through really an impossible scenario. No doubt. Again, if you want to put your questions or comments, we're getting a lot of them. As you can imagine, Dr. Bream is, uh, you're famous. You're all over the place. And, uh, I, so... I don't know about that famous in about <laughs> town. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm famous for other reasons, but we'll leave that alone for another show. My friend, uh, well, let's go. Hey, hey Bubba. Open Martin general, you know, yeah, we can do it. We're going to get that back open, I promise you, for many reasons. But let's go to uh, our dear friend. Speaking of a guy from Williamston, uh, let's go. We've got a couple questions from Richard Allsbrook. He has some questions for you, Dr. Bream. And uh, Bubba, can we put those up? Yep, there we go. Richard asks, how can hospitals generate revenue for rural, underserved communities with no insurance? Good question, Richard. You're always pushing us on the sports objective. And here tonight, our special coverage of Martin General Closing. So I think this goes back to an issue um, where you have to make some investments to, you have to spend money to make money. And right. so this is where you have to have case management in your emergency department. And this was a big challenge when I was medical director um, in Salisbury. Um, while Salisbury is in, you know, the right between Greensboro and Charlotte, you know, it had a kind of Eastern North Carolina payer mix. I think we were 10% Blue Cross, 10% um, other commercial insurance, um, 26% uninsured roughly, and 50, you know, roughly 50% Medicare, Medicaid, and then about, you know, a few TRICARES and stuff mixed in because the VA hospital there. Right. Uh, and so what you have to do is, as, as you kind of put the hammer on the head there, is that you've got to figure out how can we decrease these uninsured numbers. And so that's where, you know, if we're going to you know give credit where credit is due, um, you know, Medicaid expansion in North Carolina and um, is, is a huge deal. Um, but then, you know, you have some people who with COVID who are getting Medicaid, they're now going to lose their Medicaid. So it's kind of a double-edged sword there. So it's, you know, it's kind of making, trying to get the patients who qualify for some sort of insurance or, you know, um, government care under those services to get hospitals reimbursed. So even if, you know, it, it's better to get, you know, some reimbursement than no reimbursement. Right. That's where I think the challenge is, is having, you know, a program where we had our patients who were uninsured, you know, we would drop a note in our um, case manager's inbox to try to, you know, meet with these patients and, 
try to figure out, do they qualify for charity care, community care, Medicaid? You know, is there some way we could get them linked with some services you know, that would help cover the cost of these visits. And so that's really where you've got to be creative, but, you know, you've got to pay a social worker or case your salary to, um, to work on these problems. And so um, it doesn't take converting many of these patients over to pay for, you know, the obviously hospital bills are expensive. Um, so if you get, you know, one inpatient visit at $10,000 covered, then, you know, you get three or four of those, you know, more than that, five or six of those covered, then you've pretty much covered the salary for the year. So it just becomes a matter of spending money to make money, to make those investments um, in community resources, you know, to get the dollars flowing into the hospital. But it's, it's challenging because the patients also have got to do their end of the bargain too, you know, filling out right. the application and following through and, you know, all those sorts of things. So it's just really, you know, there's patient accountability and responsibility, but really becomes a, an issue of making sure you're maximizing community resources and, you know, getting patients who qualify for any sort of insurance insured. And, you know, obviously with, you know, the Affordable Care Act and whatnot, there are government, there are subsidies available for lower income folks. You've got the you know, the Medicaid replacement plans are available, you know, WellCare, Ambetter, Healthy Blue, you know, all those options. So there, there's lots of options in North Carolina um, to, to help patients. And, you know, we just got to make sure that patients are empowered and know what their options are so they the, the hospitals can get reimbursement. All right, let's go to uh, Richard's other question now. And uh, actually, I'm a, uh, once again, if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking about uh, with Dr. John Bream about uh, Martin General Hospital closing on August 3rd at 10 a.m. He said, would ECU Healthcare, ECU Health, consider purchasing the hospital to extend their rural healthcare mission? I'll take it first and I'll give you my, my take on it. Well, I mean, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. I mean, so I'll give you my conjecture of an answer. Um, I would suspect that if they were going to do it, they were, they would have already done it. Um, you know, I think my, my, and this, this is speaking in just my personal opinion, um, that if, you know, I think ECU health, it'd be nice if all the hospitals were under one umbrella, just go get right. Plymouth, go get Washington, go get Martin general as well, you know, and just, and just take over all, I mean, really take over all the healthcare in the East. Um, obviously, it sounds like Martin was already losing money. I don't think it's any secret that Vita or ECU Health now also has some financial issues to work through that they're working through. Um, I think those have been well documented, so I don't think I'm saying anything anybody doesn't already know. Um, but you know, it'd be a pretty hefty lift and turnaround plan. And so, you know, I don't know that a system that says they're, you know, they're losing money is, you know, going to buy a hospital that's already also losing money. Um, I think this is where, you know, speaking of the government getting coming tomorrow where, you know, kind of the state has to get involved. Right. You know, some sort of subsidizing of these, you know, hospitals for the greater good um, or where, you know, but, you know, obviously the hospital has got to get to where it's, you know, not losing tons of money, but I think that's where, where the government, the role of the government does exist is to step in when, you know, it's needed for, you know, situations like this. But, 
So I think in an ideal situation, it would be great if ECU Health was operating Martin General and, and Plymouth just to get them all in the same umbrella because uh, that just generally makes things a lot easier because you're using you know, the same the same documentation. The you know, Martin doesn't use the same documentation system that ECU Health does, for example. Um, Plymouth is still on pen and paper um, in general for a lot of things. So it would just, you know, it helped modernize. And that's probably, if I had to guess, the main reason it hasn't been done is because there would be some modernization that has to get done. Uh, a lot of IT upgrades to bring Epic yep. to those facilities. And you get into some really expensive infrastructure investments um, that would have to be made on Vidit or ECU Health side. So having some government investment would be significantly helpful there. Um, but I think that would be the, what the holdup is. But in an ideal world where, fi where finances aren't an issue, it, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons to have those hospitals under one umbrella. No doubt. Let me um, take my hat off as far as uh, an employee of ECU Health. I don't speak for them at all. Um, but I will say that's no shocker to everyone. I know BJ um, even mentions here, and I'll put that up on the screen, that they were profitable being Martin General they were making a profit before COVID. Our ICU stayed full and our emergency room was booming. She's someone that knows that hospital in and out. One of the heartbeats of the hospital is BJ. And um, being like one of the nurses there in the ED and maybe the nurse manager, one of the top nurses in the ED there. Um, John, here's the thing. Uh, pr prior to 2020, um, there might we might have had a shot at buying, being ECU Health, buying Martin General. Uh, let me be very clear uh, for uh, for 2020 on, it's been a struggle. You know, as everybody knows about what's happened over the last few years, we don't re need to rehash that. But the reality is right now, um, I think that the easy part, and you and I agree on this, the easy part, the county needs to sell the hospital, number one. Um, the tough part is going to be finding the right match, the right fit, Again, as I was saying, you don't have to speak to this, but I think there's a lot of corporate, not corporate, but the capital ventures who pretend to be healthcare systems who are just more about profits over people. Um, we don't need that in, um, in Martin County and uh, Williamston and Martin General. Um, to answer your question, Richard, it's a very complex thing. I think like John said, um, here's what's got to happen. Uh, you're looking at a building, John, that's like built in 1974, 75, like around the time I was born. Um, that was the new hospital at the time. I, I think there's going to have to be a lot of major upgrades just to the building alone, number one. I think uh, they have a great staff there. The staff is not an issue, um, but they need to bring back, they're going to have to bring back the ICU. Um, I think you have to bring, John, I, I know you know more about this than I do, I think you have to bring back the birthing center. I think you have to market that to say, have your babies in. <laughs> there are babies um, that we have kids that are born. They're just not born here in Martin County. So I think they need to be, uh, I know that two of the areas you can make money if you're a hospital are a birthing center and the ICU. And those are the two main things they cut. So that was when BJ was talking about that earlier, that they cut that on purpose to go bankrupt. It just makes you wonder. I don't know if that's true or not. But she's she knows more than I do about the obviously about the hospital because she's been there for what twenty nine years a long time. Yeah, and so I mean I think there are a lot of things to, to touch on there. But I mean what I would say is it can be done. Um, you know when I took over at Rowan 
um, as you know, assistant director back in 2015, and then as medical director in 2016, I believe was the timeline. Um, you know, we were losing two million dollars a year, and so you know, we were doing. And I'm not saying Martin has quality of care issues because I don't think they do. Um, you know, like I said I work at some of the neighboring hospitals, and I don't ever see any, you know, bad care from Martin that gets, you know, like somebody had a bad outcome that shouldn't have been right. released. I, 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 I will freely say I've not seen a quality of care issue um, from Martin come to me at another hospital. So I, I will say that that is in their favor. And I, yeah, and I do know several of the physicians that do work at Martin. I know their medical director at the ER and I know some of their night shift physicians. So I do know some folks who work there. Um, and I would say I wouldn't think there'd be any standard of care or quality care issues from those physicians. Um, but it can be done. I mean, I took that particular ER from a $2 million loss to, you know, a almost $600,000 gain. Well, um, you know, so, you know, your you know, the profit margin from weighing the negative to six for six to 8%, which isn't, you know, obviously you want it to be, we want to be more like 10 or 12, but again, you know, we are making money and not losing money. So these things can happen. And, you know, the, what we did is kind of the same thing you did market you know, turn it around, you right. know, fix our processes, make the emergency department experience a lot better. And our volumes went up by about 8,000 people. And then, so then you get 8,000 more people coming in, you get you know, more revenue, and then you can start, you know, turning a profit. So, you know, there's some things, like I said, you know, if you, there are, like, as you mentioned, there are organizations out there. Martin is not the only independent hospital in North Carolina. You know, obviously Wilson's out there, Plymouth's out there. Um, uh, Randolph, I think, is independent, but just went under the umbrella of somebody else. I mean, there's, you know, management agreements you can get, you know, Duke LifePoint, you know, UNC. You know, there can be, it doesn't even have to be, you know, ECU Health as a buyer. It could be ECU Health as a management agreement. Um you know, so there there are a lot of different ways to skin the cat as far as this goes. Um, but like you said, you have to make sure that you are you know looking at at the the right buyer. Um, and you know, again, I don't know. I mean, you, you know, vote vote day for uh, you know city council, but I don't know the ins and outs politically like you do of, of Martin County um, politically. But well. <laughs> there there are ways that it, it can be done. It's just gonna like you said, gonna take a real a special buyer. Well, as far as the county commission goes, uh, one of the things I was going to tell you, John, is uh, I don't know what, and I'm not trying to knock them because I know they're great people, but the county commission right now, if you had to do approval rating, it would be maybe in the teens, if maybe 10%. Um, there are a lot of, if that, there are a lot of unhappy people, and rightfully so. And when you have uh, next year's an election year, in 2024, the presidential election year, um, three county commissioner seats are up, and then in 26, another two, we have five county commissioners. So, I would say to them, the only thing you can get politicians scared and make them do anything is let them know their jobs are on the line, including the county manager. Again, I have nothing against them, but um, we need a sense, John, the one thing I will say, we need a sense of urgency. When uh, there's nobody, I will let me say this too, John, uh, we have no leaders right now that have said we have a healthcare crisis. I haven't heard one person stand up and say, we've got to do something. Um, this is, you know, let's go ahead and get this hospital back open. Um, for example, uh, let's see here. Where were we? I had a question I was going to post to you, and I don't see it right now. It'll probably come back. But anyway, um, oh, there it is. Uh, Monica has a question for you, and this 
pertains to what I was getting at. So let's go ahead and ask it. What federal funding is available to secure and reopen our hospital? We need a hospital and we need it to be operational. So there uh, you have it. I'm sure there are federal grants and everything. It sounds like a sounds like a great question for Alan Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the wrong guy, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Alan, you know, I mean, Alan, I mean, I hate to say, I mean, Alan would be a great resource for something like this. I mean, Alan knows the East. I mean, he's the, you know, he is over the Southeastern District of the Small Business Association and the Biden administration. Um, you know, you got to leverage your connections. I mean, I, I will say Alan loves Eastern North Carolina. Big time. Uh, I don't think there anybody that doubts Alan Thomas loves Eastern North Carolina. Um, you know, so I, I don't know if they're, I would pray that, you know, Martin County is working that angle. I that, put it this way. If I was in Martin County's shoes, he'd be my first phone call. Okay. Uh, he's a personal friend of mine. Maybe I need to pick up my cell phone, which is right here. Ernestine, I know you don't have a lot of time, so I'm trying to uh, speed up the pro lightning round okay. because. 15 yeah, minutes. I mean, I've got to get up at you know four to head down to Eden. Yeah, yeah. So let's do this real quick. Ernestine Peel, thank you, Ernestine. A lot of great people watching and listening tonight. Uh, Ernestine says they should have given uh, people a heads up about what was happening. It seems like they were just getting rid of it in bits and pieces. And like we said um, early for people just joining us, that they got rid of. Uh, I think it was around twenty one, twenty twenty one. They get rid of uh, the birthing, the OBGYN. Um, and then in uh, and then August of uh, 22 last year, the ICU shuts down, and so the two most profitable parts of a hospital were shut down. And so, again, that's why I called for uh, the governor to ask Attorney General Josh Stein to do an independent investigation, including I would also like to see Beth Wood down here with her team um, to audit this. She is a state auditor. Um, I hate that I have to say that, John, and I'm not asking you to agree with me or disagree with me, but I think that that's the best thing. We need to find out what happened. And also, I would like to see guardrails. I would like to see checks and balances. Like I said, I think our county needs to sell the hospital, get out of the healthcare business. It's like if you go to a uh, someone fixing your car, I go to Robertson Brothers downtown Williamston. They do an excellent job and they know how to fix my car, right? But right. I'm not going to someone that doesn't know how to fix a car. They, that would be ludicrous. That would be absurd. And so the same thing here. We need to have a reputable company. Bottom line, let's do a good job vetting these people, making sure that they're not a disguise, like I was saying, vap uh, capital venture company, and they're for profits and not people. Um, let's see here. Another one. I'm trying to do as many as these as I can. Uh, Tammy says, who is Altus Group? Martin County says they are property owners. I don't know what that is. Oh. Yeah, that'd be a question for you. Pat. Yep. Uh, okay. And then here we go. Uh, Mandy says, uh, Mandy Pandy, all it's a group is quorum. They aren't the property owners. They were the ones paying the taxes. And uh, there you have it. So I'm learning something here between yeah, John. They have some arrangement where quorum is the parent company. Right. And then they set up you know, an LLC underneath them, you know, where everything flows through would be my guess. I don't, you know, you know, these things don't all, you know, cause all these things end up generally contracted out, you know, the, you may have the hospital as the parent or whatever, but you know, the ICU services is contracted out to X group and the emergency medicine services are contracted out to Y group and the anesthesia services are contracted out to Z group. And so, you know, you have, you know, a few direct employees, but, 
you know, it may be under quorum health, maybe the parent, but they might have, you know, Altus LLC underneath them. That's the subsidiary where all the money flows through quorum as far as Martin General is concerned. And we need to definitely, like I said, uh, find out what's happening here. But first and foremost, before anything, I want to see that, you know, like you were talking about, John, uh, one question I had, and uh, if you have to go, do you have to go now? No, I'm going to say about 10 minutes or so. Okay. All right. I want to make sure that we look out for you. He's got to get up really early and make sure everybody think John because uh, Dr. Bream, because he's a personal friend and he agreed to do this short notice. Uh, we talked about it. Um, but here's my, here's my thing on it is uh, with the infrastructure bill from uh, President Biden and uh, from Congress, there's got to be money in there um, that we can take the, that money and, and work on that building and, and uh, be, medical stuff. Is there COVID relief money left over? Yep. A, a big question. Um, I know that was one of the things, um, you know, I own a clinic up in Stokesdale. And I mean, they were talking, not me particularly, there was a post from, um, the city council has said they had, you know, half a million dollars in COVID money left over that they needed to do something with, you know, so that's the, you know, the question is there, you know, some sort of COVID relief money out there, um, you know, that can be used or, you know, something like that to help in any way, shape or form possible. Uh, Dr. Bream, I have a personal question to ask you. A friend of mine knew you were coming on the show tonight. I'm not going to say their name. Is there, and I know the answer to this question already, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I promised them I would. Is okay. there any way that the Bream Medical comes to Williamston? And here's why. Before you answer that, hold on. Before you answer that, did you know we're losing a lot of our clinics, my friend? And so my friend knows that you and I are good friends and asked me, I wouldn't say that person's name, would you be willing or open at this time to bring a clinic to because we're having people close the clinics and we won't have uh, very little, we may have a couple practices left and that's about it. My friend. That would be a down the road consideration. Okay. Um, I got three. I got uh, doing a little better financially first. I know. I know that. Um, but you know, we're stay. I will say, you know, about free medical for, we're stabilizing the ship some. Um, so that's good. Um, I will say that actually brings up an interesting point. Um, what you did have open up recently in Williamson is that shiny new urgent care right there across no, the street. Quick care, Carolina quick, quick care. And, and you got to wonder, I mean, I would wonder how much that accelerated things from the emergency. Did, did, did they siphon off volume from the emergency department um, that, you know, accelerated things? I, I Those would be kind of questions I would, I don't know, but those would be kind of the things I would think, you know, did, is that quick care, you know, siphoning off some of the things from the emergency department, some of the lacerations and abscesses and some of the shorter, you know, higher paying procedures that, you know, keep the doors right. open. Um, you know, because unfortunately a lot of non-emergent things happen in the emergency department. That's perfectly okay. Right. Um, yeah, that's what, what we're there for. You really, I, I don't, like I said, I don't even call it should be the emergency room anymore. It should just be the everything room because that's what we do. <laughs> the ER should really stand for everything room. Um, but I, I do wonder, you know, having, I do stop in Williamston a good bit on my way home um, from the East because um, in particular, I have an affinity for Hardy's breakfasts and uh, there is there the one in Williamston. 
<laughs> and so uh, I do stop through there on my way home from Bertie and Chowan some. Um, but yeah, so I, I've seen that new facility. I'm like, oh, that's really nice. Boy, I bet that's going to hurt Martin. <laughs> you know, that was, you know, the, the thoughts, you know, I have about this, you know, looking at this from a director perspective is, you know, you've got some other entity, you know, Williamson's not a huge town, what, 5,500 people or so? Yeah, 5,100, but who's counting? Yeah. And so, um, you know, anything that that's siphoning off from the emergency department is going to hurt. Yeah, but I will say Carolina Quick here has done a fantastic job um, so far from what I know. Um, I have people personally that have gone there. They've uh, been outstanding community partners, if you will. Um, so I will say that for them. And um, they've actually, uh, John, they have actually felt the, we were talking about the strain. Um, they're having to hire a lot more people, um, I, my understanding. Uh, Ernestine says it closes at 8 o'clock at night. And it doesn't take all insurance for what she understands. So I, I don't know anything about that part. Um, but I've heard so far, I've heard nothing but good things about them. So I don't want to beat them up when the reality is that we could have a hospital and the quick care at the, you know, Carolina quick care could be, you know, like be able to function together is what I'm trying to say. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a way that they've got to, you know, try to, to make that work. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, talking about the business, you know, Carolina Quick Care has got to make money. Right. You know, General Emergency Department's got to make money. And it, they're competing for a similar pool of patients in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, they would have to figure out that that's a, you know, that would be some of a difficult relationship to manage and navigate. But, you know, you've got to have some sort of, um, way to do that it's not any secret that you know plopping in a, an urgent care in very close proximity to an emergency room is a great way to you know to make money i mean you have you know vident has their immediate care right down the street from the er there's in rocky mount you know there's a fast med right across the street from nash yep it's it's a i mean it's a you know you basically have these people who you siphon off from the er like huh the wait time of the er is six hours i bet i can go to fast med and 30 minutes or quick care and get in and out. And so it's, I mean, it's just, it, healthcare is a very brutal business. <laughs> if it were so easy, John, I know it's licensing and all that. Uh, there would be one on every corner, right? For hospitals. That's why they're, they're not easy. Uh, we will give credit where credit's due between COVID and that any uh, normal, if you had any kind of normal years are concerned, but it's going to take some time for even the reputable companies, the big boys to recover from COVID from uh, what three straight years of where it was just really, really straining taxing um, for that. So uh, well, yeah, not, not to mention the financial strain, but I mean, the physician strain, not in terms of just, you know, burnout and, and whatnot, yep. obviously through the roof. But if you look at, you know, my specialty emergency medicine, so, there are about 3,000 new emergency medicine doctors produced in the United States every year graduating from residency. So that in normal years is not really even enough to keep up with population growth and retirements and all that stuff. So then you have COVID that accelerated um, physicians leaving the workforce and then in emergency medicine, if you're, you know, I, I understand it, if you're a second, third or fourth year medical student and you're doing your emergency medicine rotation and all you're seeing is just, you know, people in the hallways everywhere and, 
you know, just completely overrun, no beds, nowhere to put them. You're, you're not going into emergency medicine, you know, you're just not. And so what we've seen is emergency medicine has gone from one of the most competitive specialties to get into to one of the least competitive specialties to get into. And so you're facing a shortfall of, you know, about 500 emergency medicine positions a year. So basically, you know, one out of every six emergency medicine positions that should be out there in the workforce is now gone. Wow. Uh, you know, that should be graduating is now gone because of COVID. And so that's just putting so much more additional strain, um, in particularly on emergency medicine, um, you know, to, to staff emergency departments. So there's, there's just COVID, you know, the, the long ranging effects of COVID, we haven't really even completely started to feel yet. And well, that's scary uh, to think that if those of us it's that not, are... It's not going to get any better because, uh, you know, most physicians, I think the stat over 35% of physicians are 60 years or older. Right. Uh, and Billy makes, uh, BJ makes a great point here. COVID is making a comeback as well as this is going to be extremely tough for the other ERs we're sending patients to. And let me just say this, John, uh, the, the ED... Man, I'm going to tell you something right now. Um, one thing I want to make very clear to the county manager, he uh, I talked to him last Monday night, uh, being transparent here. He didn't know that I was a you know healthcare worker at ECU Health, and he was trying to make the claim, which is true, that I'm, it's probably true that 70 cents of every dollar for healthcare spent is out of the and people leave the county for it, right? Um, mm -hmm. So he's making the case that's why that ECU Health would not buy it. The reason that we can't buy it right now most likely is because of the strains we've had on COVID. It has nothing to do that that nobody wants smart in general. It has to do with what's been going on the last few years in the healthcare industry. And so um, when you look at the, you were talking about, John, uh, with Dr. Breen, when you're talking about literally how how big the, uh, how, how many patients now that we're sending to Bertie. Bertie was not designed to handle martin general patients and so it's not that uh, it's a great facility um, but i believe it's the smallest hospital in north carolina or one of the smallest as far as beds at six beds off the top of my head and so when you take that plus check this out john uh i found out from our ems workers on saturday in fact one is bj's husband um i think that's when it told me but check this out 10 average calls now guess how long it takes to take them to birth just Bertie alone 10 calls, guess how long it takes. Oh, well, you've got to load them, you've got to transport them, you got to give report, and then you, know, you got to probably get gas. I mean, I would say, you know, because it's not just literally you drive 20 minutes across the bridge and, and drive right. right back. I mean, you have to you have to give report and all that, do your paperwork and all that stuff. So I would guess an average of 75 to 100 minutes per call. So if you're doing that 10 times a day, about 750 to 1,000 minutes. So that, that ends up being some of the 12 to 15-hour ballpark. That's correct. 13, man, that's why I love this guy. 13 hours. So 10 calls, 13 hours. I mean, and you look at the number, and I said, what do you guys need? They said they need people. That's what they need, and, and you have to have money uh, in the budget for more people. And so I don't think the uh, we're going to lose clinics. We're getting ready to – that's a – uh, in fact, uh, Billy is saying 300 miles a day to Bertie. 
Um, forget about, uh, you know, hey, check this out. When Beaufort is calling you, telling you, do not send us any more people, what if we have a really bad, and God forbid, a natural disaster, a really bad wreck, any kind of thing? It's not a matter of if it's when a lot of this stuff is going to happen. So uh, we've got to do something to get the hospital back open. We've got to look at every avenue possible and don't sleep until you have a solution to the problem. Uh, don't give us fast numbers and all that. Like we've had that recent times to deflect. Admit so, that you go ahead, John. Yeah. So I do want to make a couple of points actually that made me think of something. Else. So I will say, I mean, I'll freely say that, I mean, I work at Bertie. I worked at Bertie last night. <laughs> I mean, right. It was by far the hardest Bertie shift I've ever worked. Um, and you know, the downstream effects of this is, you know, we work 24 hour shifts at Bertie. Yeah, that's just what it's set. That's how it's that hospital is set up to function. It's and you know, I, I I guess what I'll say is, you know, Bertie's going under undergoing a renovation right now. So it was like literally the worst time for this to happen because you know Bertie's got rooms closed. Um, right. You know, room three is not even in service right now. So you're taking them down. You're you're down a bed. I mean, I, I think that's I think within the realm of what I can say. Um, you know, and so it, it, it was the hardest, I mean, their, their volumes are up significantly. And like I said, I, I would have nothing but positive things to say about, you know, how their medical director and their nurse manager, who are both great people, um, have handled the situation and how, how quickly they acted to, you know, make the best of a really horrible situation. Right. Um, but I mean, I can tell you it has put significant strain on on Bertie. I mean, that's the one hospital I can tell you that is the closest and I have I have privileges there and I do work there and I love the hospital and I do like working there and they have great staff and great people. Um, but it just wasn't designed for for that. Right. And I mean, I was transferring a ton of people last night. And so, um, you know, and so the other the other issue I will say is that, you know, Washington County struggles with nighttime staffing for radiology so you know i was getting you know all the patients were essentially washington county's ems's last night too wow um and so you know transferring patients on the transfer center and i'm like oh this is dr bream calling back from uh (laughs) martin washington county general hospital (laughs) you know um, i think they i don't know if they appreciate my humor or sarcasm but um you know, it was just, it was a shelling and, um, you know, your trans, I think I, you know, build critical care, like 11 or 12 people yesterday, um, which is, you know, it's great, you know, to see emergencies. I don't mind seeing emergencies. I don't mind working hard. It's nothing like that. Um, it's just, you know, the, that hot, the, we're just not designed for it, but I say they, the hospital, the, the leadership has really stepped up and done an admirable job there. So, which brings to a second point is somebody might say, well, Dr. Breen, why don't they just make Bertie bigger? Why don't they just make Beaufort bigger? So, in North Carolina, it's what's called a certificate of need state, and this becomes very important. So, what they'll do is, let's, you know, so you would have to say, let's just, I don't say, let's use Roanoke Show on. I don't know, just pick, pick up, throw a dart at the hospital. Roanoke Show on says, okay. I want to add 10 more beds or I want to add an ICU or I want to add something we don't already have. So then you have to go to state and get permission to add it. Right. 
So, and you have to prove that there's a need. So if you're in an area that's explosively growing, like Western Union County, where they just built a new hospital or, you know, South or, you know, South, you know, around Charlotte, where they're throwing up new hospitals, you know, that's a fairly easy process. A little bit more difficult in your Eastern North Carolina, where your populations are losing or growing slowly. Um so that just becomes very challenging to say, well, we need these beds. Well, they'll say, well, prove me you need these beds because your population is not growing. And then even if you do get, so you have this long drawn out proposal process for a certificate of need, they grant your, let's say they grant your certificate of need. Then you've got to put out requests for proposals for contractors to build said building. I, it, it's a five-year process. So let's say they wanted to grow for tea tomorrow. You know, that solution's five years away. Man, um, I mean, and that's just a realistic timeline of what right. certificate of need looks like in North in North Carolina's a certificate of need state. So there's a lot of, you know, there'd be regulatory barriers as well that I think, and I think that's just something that's important to mention because I do think people tend to think the solutions to these problems are are very easy, and maybe that you know. That this seems like there's a simple solution. There, unfortunately, there's just really not. I mean, even if I wanted to say, all right, Breen Medical wants to hire a new nurse practitioner today, you know, and I'm just, you know, my own little thing, it's four or five months so they can start because you got to get them credit, you got to get them signed up, and then you, you got to get your contract negotiated, and then you got to go through credentialing. So you have to, so I have to pay you know, $300 for each, each credentialing. So if I want to credential somebody with Blue Cross, Medicare, Medicaid, Healthy Blue, WellCare, United, Cigna, MedCost, you know, all those things, you're talking 300 times, you know, 11, I think is how many, who all we're in network with. So I got to pay $3,300 out of my own pocket to get this person credentialed. And then the credentialing, there's a lot of paperwork that's involved in this. And so you have to get it in Blue Cross and then they have to get it back to you. And I mean, it took 18 months and one day for my clinic to get in network with Blue Cross. Wow. Um, it was a lot faster the second go around when my nurse practitioner just started with me. Um, but there's just a lot of, you know, healthcare is meant to be glacial. And, you know, these processes take a long time. So, I just want to iterate to people, if it seems like there's an easy solution, there's a reason it's not an easy solution. Right. And we have to, and I would say this, John, before we let you go, I wanted to show you the, what uh, BJ said, Billy Warren, Dr. Bream, your emails or letters to our government leaders would help uh, our cause. Uh, this closing has caused hardship to everyone, all surrounding counties. And there's 22,000 people, she says, which is, that's what she's talking about in Martin County, 22,000 souls yep, in this county. And you know, John, uh, the very thing is there's got to be uh, monies that we, here's here's the thing I want to leave you with. I've got one question for you. I heard, and I'm going to have to go back and find the gentleman's name, but he talked on my, my, on my former employer, Curtis Media Group, WPTF in Raleigh, 680. And he was talking about this. He was talking about, it was really weird, about a week or two before the hospital shut down, I was winding down, listening to a podcast, listen to my former station. And this healthcare expert said, if you think the housing um, bust in 2008 and nine were bad, he said, this is going to be way worse 
when you have a whole bunch of hospitals closing and it's one, you know, one or two weeks later after I listened to that podcast, um, he's saying that the, uh, it, it would be equivalent to the Great Depression. So I know that uh, I don't have those numbers and all that to be able to look at that. Um, but this was a guy that was doing, you know, like he's doing that. But my my personal opinion is on this uh, topic. Um, when you're looking at a situation, healthcare, a hospital is a basic right to me. Healthcare is a basic right. Um, this is not a situation with capitalism where, God forbid, a store closes and your heart is just ripped out because the the couple has had a business for many years and they just can't keep it uh, the doors open anymore. That's one thing. But to me, um, this is about quality of life. This is about uh, this is a basic human right. I think this is a human rights violation in my book, and that might sound strong um, for for anybody to allow this to happen because you have to have access to he- healthcare. Yeah, I agree. And so there's, you know, as I mean, politics gets involved in all that and all of this, and it's really sad. Um, you know, you kind of hit on some points here. I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. The challenges of rural, rural health care are just innumerable. Yep. Um, rural hospitals are closing at alarming rates. Um, you know, this is not, unfortunately, not unique to Martin General, that this has been a long an accelerating um, phenomenon in mm-hmm. multiple parts of the country where access, you know, where, where people don't live in a big city. Um, and I do think there's going to have to be some sort of government action. And again, I'm not saying I'm always advocating for big government, but there's just, there are times where the, where there's just gotta be where we've got to have them to intervene to, to take care of these things. Um, so I'd say that's point one. And, you know, I think you really, I think you guys are on the right start here. I don't certainly don't mind putting, you know, my um, you know, name or weight behind some sort of, you know, letter in support of the cause here. Um, I don't, you know, certainly not very much weight, but I certainly would uh, be willing to help in any way I can. Um, but you got to look at, you know, you got to leverage your partnership, you know, with, yeah, like you said, my first call would be to Alan Thomas. Um, you know, you've got the governor coming down, which is great. Um, you know, hopefully they can, you know, find, you know, offer some sort of support. Um, I'll give you I'll give you a crazy solution, Dave. I'll give you a crazy solution. Okay. Because we have people that are dying to know this and they're scared now. You got them scared now that they wait four or five years before we get a hospital open. You know Harry, my, our good friend Harry Smith. Yeah, I'm gonna invoke his name here. the The People's Hospital of North Carolina should start in Williamston. Talk to Harry. <laughs> We've always talked about that would be our dream to start the People's Hospital of North Carolina, where yeah. we don't worry about the politics or all this stuff. We just provide great care and just you know, make it, make it work almost like a new Amsterdam type of place. But, um, you know, if you, if you're going to look at some sort of private thing, you know, you don't necessarily have to always look very far away. Um, but I do, I do think there's, there's a solution here. There's a solution to every problem. Um, you know, I, I don't know the ins and outs of, you know, Martin County government or anything like that. And don't pretend to, um, 
but there's there there are ways to solve these problems and so i i can't imagine that there's not you know a willing buyer out there even if you're you have to look at a a duke or a novant or an atrium or you know one of these national healthcare companies you know, there's hca although they're a for-profit company right. um you know there's the company that owns plymouth you know they're um they're a company out of Oklahoma. I really don't know much about them other than Affinity. Uh, maybe, yeah, I think yeah, Affinity. Uh, Affinity was is pretty much out of the equation because I know that, and I agree with the county commission on this and the county manager. They vetted them the other night. I think it was Wednesday night, and at the meeting, and they have so much debt that um, they're yeah. off the table. Put together a request for a proposal, and you just put it out there. By the way, uh, the mayor of Beargrass, North Carolina, um, Mayor Charlotte Gr Griffin. Thank you, Mayor, for joining us tonight. Appreciate you very much. I'm sorry, hit the wrong. There we go. She's asking, uh, how long realistically would it take to license such a facility? Like you're talking about the the Nirvana, the ultimate, the People's Hospital, of North Carolina. We started at Martin General. Years. That's a years process, man. There's so much red tape involved. Like I said, just to get my little clinics going, which is was months. And you, know, when you get into the regulatory of, of, I mean, there's so much more regulatory that goes into a hospital than it is, right? Um, you know, just a, a clinic. You know, you're you're talking a a year's process. Unfortunately, that's why you know the the best solution is to get you know a buyer in there who can just continue operating Martin under its current in its current state and, you know, kind of go from there. You can complete a buyout, you know, you know, hospitals merge every day and buy each other every day. I mean, the, the M and a portion of healthcare is fascinating. Um, but, but the best solution I think for everybody would be to, would be to find a, would be to find a willing buyer. And there's, there would have, there would be someone out there just, they're going to have to, they're going to look at the books and they're going to have to, they're going to have to understand that you know, they're going to have to be looking at a diamond in the rough there and, you know, look at it for its potential um, and maybe not necessarily what it was doing. if It was losing, you know, a lot of money. But again, I, I do think the natural partner is ECU health, you know, whether or not that would ever come to fruition is, you know, would be interesting. And, you know, what kind of, um, you know, that'd be a thing. I mean, I, you know, I, he may be my arch nemesis, but this is where you talk to, you know, a Henry, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's where you talk to Henry or somebody and, you know, somebody who knows the, knows the, how, you know, knows the wheels of Biden. And I know you're, you're, you, you know, Henry quite well. Um, yep. I mean, that, this goes to show there's even places where Henry and I could cooperate <laughs> you know? together. Trust me. There is, there is a God you guys can, uh, Definitely, at some like this, we got to put our differences to, uh, aside. Right. Um, question here from Charlene Harris, real quick. We got to let John go. How long before Martin General loses their licenses, licenses, or license to operate? Um, that's a that uh, that would be a, a legal question. Unfortunately, I don't have that. I don't have the answer to. Um, okay. That would have to be a question for a you know hospital attorney or or whatnot, but. Mm -hmm. um, I do have a quick question too. I had to, this is in my head and I know this sounds like a TV or movie scenario. I don't think it can happen. So let me just say that, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Uh, governor's coming tomorrow at two o'clock. 
can the governor um, open that hospital back up in some sort of he and the legislature? That's uh, a question that's been on my mind for the last couple of days since Saturday. I mean, I'm sure that the state could take it over is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, I mean, there are state hospitals. Um, you know, the, the state of North Carolina has gotten out of that business. Right. Um, you know, they used to have the state institutions, you know, Dorothea Dix and those hospitals. And then they've, you know, privatized that out. Um, I, I'm sure there's a way they could do it on a temporary basis. Um, right. Until they could find, like, my point is not to take it up permanently, but we've got to open up the doors, take it over and and sell the hospital to a reputable company and let them uh the county has failed us i'm sorry to say and let the state come in take it over and they find a reputable company because it's a bit like i said it's a basic human right um there been right now we have people dying because they're not going to do it yeah i mean i'm certainly i'm sure the ncga could you know get involved and there could be some way this could happen but i you know that's gonna Again, there's all these government's checks and balances, and right that's that that exceed the scope of the legislative and executive branches of the government. I really don't know. That's a, but you know, I would assume they certainly what they could do. They certainly could exert, put the pressure on the right people in the right places to make that happen. Well, I tell you what, it's going to be uh, crazy. In fact. Uh... Let's see, Charlotte, uh, the mayor, Mayor Charlotte, says uh, the biggest problem is the declared bankruptcies in the state of Delaware. That's crazy. I know, uh, Mayor, I, I thought the same thing. Uh, I know there's another bankruptcy quorum has, so they put that as. So uh, we, we've got to uh, – yeah, like you... That's where you know most um, – you know, Delaware has pretty lax laws about this stuff. So a lot of companies set up their LLC as a Delaware corporation – um, so that's, you know, why the, you know, the, the bankruptcy would be declared there. Crazy stuff. I'm going to let you go because, uh, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here and we'll take some people have some questions and they want to say stuff. We'll, we'll let you, uh, we'll, we'll stay on for a little bit longer, but, uh, a lot of us have got to get to bed. We've got day jobs and I know John, you've got to be up two yeah. hours before I do. I see people, patients at my Edenton clinic in the morning. And so I've got to be up there. I got to be on the road by four fifteen at the, at the latest in the morning. Um, we'll say big day for Bree medical tomorrow. Maybe I can make some announcements in the next Go couple for it. about a, uh, some, something big Bree medical is working on, but I'll, I'll tease that for later. Um, right. but yeah, I mean, I just think it's, um, I think I would just leave it as a sad reflection on what is American healthcare. Um, one in every five dollars almost in this country is spent on healthcare. We spend, and I will pontificate here a little bit. And a lot of people say, "Well, doctors make too much money." I mean, I will never tell you that I don't feel like I'm paid fairly, but physicians' salaries are a very, 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 very small part of GDP um, for healthcare. If you took physician salaries out of this, it would go from a like 3.6 trillion to 3.4 trillion. It, it's it's not even right issue. And so doctors become the easy scapegoat for this when it's really not the problem. Um, but America pays way more for healthcare than anybody else. I think it's something like twice as much as the next country for the number 51 life expectancy 
and the number 27 health outcomes in the world. So we've got to sit back, you know, and look at, there's just got to be a healthcare revolution here. Um, I will shamelessly plug Bree Medical here a little bit and say, that is what we aim to do. Healthcare does not have to be as expensive as it is. And, you know, my cost for a CBC is like $3. You know, we mark it up a little bit to cover the price of the syringe and the needle and the person drawing the blood. But, you know, these things get marked up from $3 to $30. And then your insurance negotiates it down from $30 to $22, which they then pass along to you to pay. It's just silly. It really is. You know, there is a system where you're just not gouged by your insurance company and gouged by hospitals and other corporations to make healthcare work. That's the reason, you know, healthcare doesn't have to be this expensive. And if we're going to pay more for healthcare in this country, by God, we should be number one in everything. Amen, brother. Health expectancy, you know, life expectancy is worse than Bosnia. You know, it's just, you know, we don't, you know, we, we put so much money into it and we get so little in return. And then we have all these patients, you know, we have more money than God. I mean, it, it, you know, Blue Cross has got so much money in North Carolina. They're having asked North Carolina General Assembly for special permission to do something with it because they have more than $5 billion in their bank account that they've, you know, they can't put any more money in it. And they're asking the state not to state the lax, relax the oversight. I mean, there's so much money in healthcare, but yet, you know, a $400 medical emergency would bankrupt 40%, 40% of the country. Yeah, there's just, you know, and that gets into all that. I, I guess I will also say it's a very tough time to be operating a healthcare business or opening a healthcare business. Right. I would say very, very difficult. Um, inflation is very real. Wage pressures are very real. Um, the business climate of healthcare has been very, very difficult to navigate, um, especially in the last couple of years. But my loans, my summary statement, to all this would be: in America, for healthcare, we can we can do better, we should do better, and we must do better. That's great. Dr. John Bream, I tell you what, this has been uh, the fastest 70 minutes ever on this show. Uh, you were one of my dear friends, and you know, you checked on me yesterday, and uh, knowing where I lived, and obviously Martin General, you know how much Williamston and Martin County means to me. You also know that being an ECU health uh, healthcare worker, um, that I know the strains that even though I'm not there, I know the strains of what's going on at Bertie by the EMS folks here. And uh, you're just, uh, you're awesome. So I want to thank you for everything. In fact, uh, our great mayor in Beargrass says, uh, Charlotte Griffin, yes, well said, John. So I uh, appreciate that. Billy Warren said, thanks, Doc. You're welcome. And uh, Tanya Bowen says, thank you for your time, Dr. Bream. Uh, a lot of great people. We've got some new fans here tonight. Uh, a lot of people watching and listening. And uh, we're going to have this. This obviously will be on Archived. And so I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in. Uh, we'll do. We'll be on for a couple more minutes in case uh, there was anybody else that wants there to. Are any questions, Dave? Feel free to email them. And a shameless plug: uh, breemedical.com. Like us on Facebook. 
Um, Go for it, brother. Accepting new patients in Edenton, North Carolina. So, uh, yeah, if you're, uh, you know, if you're can't find a clinic in Williamston, you know, we're about 35 minutes away. Green Medical is, uh, be happy to take you. We have a, we have some clinics that we need uh, a Bream Medical to come to. Uh, in fact, and uh, hey, John, how about this? I'll leave you with this. October, we're going to lose more clinics um, oh, wow. for healthcare. So not only is it a hospital we're losing, we're losing clinics. So we'll leave it at that. And I'll tell you what, if we have any updates, we'll uh, definitely bring you back when you have time. I'll let you sleep. And thank you for your time tonight. I appreciate it, Dr. Breen. All right. Sounds great, Dave. Thank you so much. Go Pirates. How are, yeah, go Pirates. All right, and uh, we'll get uh, we'll ha- we'll take a few more. We'll, I tell you what, um, Bubba, we'll take it up to. We're both very tired. We'll take it about another ten minutes um, to the top of the hour because I know that you and I both have to get up very early. Um, uh, thank you, Monica. She said thank you all both, Monica. You're awesome, Jeff. Uh, Lewis the Baconator himself. He's on here tonight. Uh, Betsy Holiday. Uh, thank you both, especially Dr. Bream. Uh, appreciate uh, Betsy. Uh, very much. And thank you, Betsy and Mark Holiday, owner of Porky's Backyard Barbecue, for all their support of the employees uh, for Martin General. They have been fantastic, and uh, we appreciate them very much. If you have anything else for the last few minutes that you would like to say, then uh, please let me know. In fact, uh, Tanya says, let's put that up there, Martin County will only have one primary care facility left that takes insurance if the clinics close. And I'm hearing uh, October the, was it 5th? It's the last day they're taking patients. I heard that this evening. I don't know if that is true, but I was told that um, Ernestine says nursing homes will suffer. In fact, uh, you're correct, Ernestine. You know, the uh, we have three in Williamston, and all those uh, patients that normally was like a five-minute ride at most is now having to go to Bertie. And guess what? We, we're not bringing them back. Uh, the county manager said we're bring, we do not bring them back. Those people don't have a ride home. Um, so it's crazy. I want to make sure that everybody knows that. I want to make sure you know that um, we've got to have a solution, folks. Um, I'm not saying it's easy. I didn't say it was easy, but I think there are a lot of people to be held responsible if it's at the ballot box, if they don't have a job anymore. Uh, whatever we can do to wake these people up and let them know that we mean business. And the one thing I will tell you this, I want to say this, is that Leadership matters. You're only as good as the top. Um, that's something I've said for years. Um, any relationship, you have trust and communication. We don't have any communication right now, so therefore there's very little trust in the county government right now, and that's because we don't need to have numbers thrown at us. We need to have real solutions. And instead of spending time and when you can't talk to the media in your office, you need to be finding solutions. The other thing is we're paying – uh, $1,600 uh, an hour to a lawyer who hasn't found a solution for us. Why are we paying out $390,000 around that? Uh, I think that's right. $360,000, $390,000 in legal fees when we're a poor county with only 22,000 people. Okay. That's unacceptable. And I just, it's, it's very frustrating. So I know you guys uh, appreciate uh I, I know that you guys are really tired. Uh, let's see if uh, we can get a few more comments in for until the top of the hour uh, for those that are watching live and you're listening. By the way, you can listen to these podcasts uh, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Just look for the sports objective. I know it's not a sports-related topic, but we wanted to use our platform tonight not to blame, but to try to uh, dissect this as much as we can. 
And Elliot, I love you to death. It's, uh, you know, I don't care if the governor is Democrat or Republican. I don't care if the legislature is Democrat or Republican. Uh, we need help. And our arms are wide open. We have a lot of great people in our county. And I can tell you this. I bet you BJ and every single person that worked at the hospital, they didn't say, are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? Oh, I'm sorry. We can't, uh, you know, they're not going to do that, obviously. So um, I'm not taking care. I'm not taking up for the governor at all. All I'm saying is uh, I'm happy the governor's coming tomorrow. Um, I'm happy that anybody that's willing to help us, if it's the president, senators, legislature, whomever, that's what, uh, or as Jeff Lewis, I know uh, my dear friend is uh, unaffiliated. I don't care. I do not care what party. That's what's problem. Uh, one of the problems we have in our country, we can't communicate because we have people that uh, they have a D or R beside their name and all of a sudden they hate each other, which is ridiculous. Um, so anyway, uh, we want that as Billy uh, BJ Warren says, we do need what we need right now is for everybody to come together. And again, I really don't care. I don't care about politics. This is this show is not about politics tonight. This show is to make an awareness. Uh, we want some answers. We're uh, fed up. We're tired of hearing excuses about why we don't have a hospital open. And so um, I'm not scared to talk to anyone. I'll talk to the county manager. I'll talk to uh, Chairman Ronnie Smith. Any county commissioner, let me say this too. Anytime the county commissioners or if you want the town council, the mayor, any mayor that wants to come on, uh, the county mayor, any that wants to come on, um, you're welcome to do it out because uh, we want, uh, like Tanya says, um, they want our jobs back. And, uh, and, that, and the most important thing is to help our community um, with health care. Health care, again, is a basic human right. And uh, when you have it, uh, just like the cliche goes, um, don't know what you got till it's gone. And man, um, the impact of this is just uh, really doing that. You know, uh, I know that um, people are saying up a comment, stop the backdoor meetings. I wanted to say that too. Thank you for uh, Mark saying that. And it's because uh, simply we need to have open session. I wanted to say one more thing too. I know that people, we've got about five minutes left of the show and Bubba, we're going to get out of here. I promise uh, we need to have, I've heard people say it. So I don't want to take credit for this. We need to have, let me to, let me send a message to the county manager and the commissioners. They're not used to ha having this show. Um, I'm sure they'll watch all of it but and listen to it. We need to have a meeting at the Martin County Auditorium. No time limit. Let's let every single Martin General Hospital employee speak. Let's let as many concerned citizens speak. I want you to sit up on that stage, and you. I don't want to hear any numbers or facts. I want you to tell us solutions of what we are going to do to open the hospital. I don't want to even hear anything about quorum health anymore. In fact, I said that should be done by the Attorney General, Josh Stein, and also to Beth Wood, the auditor for the state. Let them handle quorum health. I don't care anything about quorum health because they did us wrong. What I care about is opening that hospital, and I appreciate every single one of the, our, you know, the only good thing, there's two good things that happened to this. I've met some great people like BJ, and there's uh, Tanya, there's a lot of great employees, uh, Dawn, different ones I've met over the last couple of weeks. And it, I've got some new friends. That's fantastic. The other thing exposed a lot of people in this process. When you don't have a plan, man, it's a plan. It's just very irresponsible. And I tell you what, I can't wait to see what the commissioners come up with because you know what? You're on the clock. And there's a, 
I hear commissioners say, we were not on the board when quorum, you took the job and you took the job knowing that quorum healthcare was running the hospital. I don't want anybody to back down. I, what I would like to see from our leaders is accept responsibility. If you are a leader, you accept responsibility, even if it's not your fault or, no, uh, or not. And so that's the thing that's uh, make sure that you say, we are in a healthcare crisis. And look what you're doing to the municipalities, like our great mayor um, that I like a lot, Charlotte Griffin. I appreciate you so much um, in Beargrass. And again, I don't care what I don't care if they're Democrats, Republicans, unaffiliated. Let's get uh, all the mayors, municipalities, easy for me to say it's so late at night. Let's get everybody together in a room and let's make this happen. And uh, we're down to a couple minutes. Uh, do you have any more things that you guys uh, would like to say uh, tonight? In fact, Billy says, we don't want excuses. We want solutions. Amen, sister. I appreciate your support uh, very much. I know there's going to be demonstrations um, tomorrow. The governor is going to speak at Mortock Park at 2 o'clock. I hope to see a lot of I hope people, a lot of people go out there. I really, really do. I appreciate you. Thank you, Gloria. She says, thank you, David and Dr. Breen, for your time. That's what I'm here for. I don't know about you guys. I can't sleep. I uh, get about maybe four or five hours sleep, honestly. And it's not, not because I can't sleep. It's because I can't sleep knowing that we have 180 plus people that don't have a job right now. And after October, early October, they won't have money coming in. So let's get it done. Uh, appreciate Ernestine. Appreciate all of you. I uh, want to thank all our great sponsors too. I know Porky's Backyard Barbecue has done a lot. Uh, they're one of our sponsors, Mark and Betsy Holiday. It's 805 East Boulevard in Williamston. Um, they've done a lot for the community. I appreciate it. want to give them a shout out. And I want to say uh, hello to everyone um, tonight. If you're tuning in for the first time, we'll do these shows from time to time until we get a solution. If I have to do it once a week or whatever, you can have transparency right here. You can have communication right here. This will be your forum. And um, we are going to uh, definitely, like uh, Charlotte Griffin says, our mayor, She's ready, and she says they're communicating regularly. Thank you for that, uh, Mayor Griffin, uh, very much in Beargrass. Uh, we appreciate you very, very much for your service, and thanks to all our town mayors and uh, council members. We appreciate you and town commissioners as well. It's been an a entertaining time. Obviously, we would like them to be talking about ECU sports. That's what this show is normally about. Is uh, You see at the top of the screen, you're watching TSO. It's a sports objective. It's for ECU sports, but I really found um, that I was talking to Dr. Bream and Bubba, who's done, by the way, I want to give him a shout out. My dear friend, Bubba Rosenbaum, who's in China Grove and Rowan County. He's not even in the Eastern Port or North Carolina, but he felt like that we need to do the show. And I want to thank him, Kyle Barber and Matt Semenza, our team for the sports objective for allowing me to come on our platform and using that for something totally different. Um, but I think it was very important, and I think that it's needed, and we'll keep doing it as long as you'll have us, as long as you want to do that. So uh, anyway, thank you so much. We're going to wrap things up. It's almost 11 o'clock Eastern. I've got to get to bed. I've got to do my day job. I say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. And uh, Bubba, uh, we're going to get out of here. Thank you guys so much. We're going to get out of here. We'll see you next time right here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody. Everybody
Get it on, get it all, get the wave going, let the hurricane y'all